This is Live Talk with Dwayne Moore. We're talking worship on a global scale. Hey everyone, welcome to Live Talk. Today is unique. This is Holy Week. Um, everything about this week is unique. It ought to be. This is the, the week that Jesus was on earth for the last for his last days his final days leading up to the crucifixion which is today good friday which climaxed as we know in the resurrection on sunday so today we have a special guest named stephen brooks he wrote a book about the holy week and he's going to share with us insights from the what went on in the in the holy week He's going to walk us through that in a very devotional, powerful kind of way. You don't want to miss this. Put away your phones, put away your distractions, just listen, and let this be a time of encouragement and revival for you. We'll be right back. Live Talk with Dwayne Moore. Biblical Worship Perspective. Hey, everybody. We are back. Um, with Stephen Brooks. Uh, Stephen uh, is um, is becoming a, a, a good friend. Uh, we've never really had a lot of conversation, though, Stephen. But uh, but we we run in the same circles of folks, and we have That's a right. lot of the, some mutual friends. I think I saw that you just uh, fact that you just interviewed uh, Constance Cherry, didn't you? Didn't That's I right. See? I did. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. I've known Constance for many years. Oh, she's yeah. a good friend. Yeah. She's a good friend. Well, tell us about you, Stephen. I didn't say much about it uh, before the show, uh, before I had you on. I wanted you to talk more about yourself. Tell us about you. Sure. I, um, I'm married. I met my wife in college and we have two boys, uh, one who's a freshman at Biola University and another who's a freshman in high school. Uh, we live in Los Angeles here in California, and I am a worship pastor at a church in Huntington Beach and serve as an adjunct professor of worship, theology, and spiritual formation at a couple different universities as well as a local seminary. And I direct a ministry called Worship Quest Ministries, um, and our our mission statement is that we encourage worship renewal and spiritual formation by providing training and resources for the global Christian church. And as I began that ministry back in 2007, it was just a way for me to provide some resources for worship leaders in helping them plan worship services that will really help the congregation dig a little bit deeper into what they're doing on a Sunday morning. But over the years, it has really expanded. The Lord has really blessed us uh, to be able to not just provide resources, but also to do some training uh, within churches, as well as seminaries at conferences and seminars. And in 2015, the Lord opened doors for us to start doing that globally uh, through international ministry in Pakistan, uh, Dubai, and Ukraine primarily. Okay. Uh, well, I've seen that you work in Ukraine. I did not realize you work in Dubai. Um, I do. Wow, yeah. that's awesome. And I, I also I've seen um, that you work in Pakistan, and yes. uh, and that is our mutual connection. We we also mm -hmm. work there. Right. Um, we 
don't really work in Ukraine, except we have a, a couple of people there that we claimed as ministry partners because we just support them. We just want to help. Yeah, them. absolutely. And uh, but we don't have any deep relationships there. We work with a, a ministry called Music and World Cultures, and we partner with them and they help some people over there. So we kind of funnel, them. we send the money to them and they send it on over. But anyway, it's so good to have you here. And, uh, I, you know, I, I appreciate your ministry. I, I try to follow along and see what all you're doing. You've got a lot going on. Um, what is the, what is the name of the seminary where you work? Ukrainian Evangelical Theological Seminary is the seminary that I teach at in Ukraine. I do a Zoom course with them uh, every semester. Wow. And then I'm usually with them twice a year in the spring and the fall. Okay. And the seminary that I work with here in California is Gateway Seminary oh, of the Southern Baptist Convention. It is. It certainly is. Yeah. 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 I've always heard good things about Gateway. Um, it was great. Yeah. I've never been there, but I've heard good things. I was out at California Baptist University uh, speaking, um, that's in Riverside, you know, and, that's right. um, but, but that's as close as I've ever gotten to gateway, I guess is just the yeah. CBU out there. But, but Hey, uh, we, we do want to take some time to, to hear the story. This is, this is Holy week. Uh, this is good Friday when, when this is actually airing. Um, and sometimes, you know, the information is important. So I want you to kind of weave it in and out with some just good con just information that we would want to know. Some people aren't even really aware of the, what Holy Week means. So I would say help us understand that better, uh, Stephen, because you wrote a book about Holy Week. T tell us about that. Let's go ahead and start with tell us about your book and how one can order it. Let's start with that. Sure. Uh, the book is entitled The Week That Changed the World. Uh, daily Reflections on Holy Week. And it was written as a devotional book um, because I, I think a lot of us know some of the bigger events that happened during Holy Week. Uh, we just celebrated this past Sunday, Palm Sunday, and we all know of that, uh, at least those of us that grew up in the church. You know, we know that that's the day that Jesus rode into Jerusalem and, and people grabbed palm branches and waved the palm branches as a symbol of peace as he came in, um, as a symbol of victory, um, that he rode in on a donkey uh, to signify that peace rather than a, a big a horse or stallion. And the people cried out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And we know that story. Uh, we also know that on Thursday, he spent time in the upper room with his disciples, uh, observing Passover, and that he gave us that, uh, that new element of worship through uh, the Lord's Supper or communion or Eucharist. Uh, we know that on Friday, he was crucified on the cross. And of course, uh, we know that Sunday, he rises from the grave, and it's a great celebration. Uh, but a lot of important things happen during Holy Week, okay, Sunday through Sunday. And so I wanted to give us an opportunity to think through what happened each day of Jesus's last week here on earth, pre-resurrection. Mm -hmm. And so that's what this devotional does is you can take the book from Palm Sunday to Easter Sunday, spend 15, maybe 20 minutes every day, uh, read through a devotional, 
It includes a prayer for that day. It includes a, a hymn or a worship song text uh, that you can think through and meditate on. And then it includes an application. Okay, so what does that mean for my life today? Um, and so each day you go through, and that is to help us prepare for the greatest celebration in human history, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Uh, there have been times when I've been talking with worship leaders and pastors, and it's maybe three weeks before Easter, and I ask them, so what do you have planned for Easter Sunday? And they said, oh, I haven't even thought about that yet. <laughs> and I think it's only two weeks away. It's, it's three weeks away. And this is the greatest celebration, the, the biggest event in human history. And we're three weeks away and you haven't planned it. And uh, I like to ask my students, you know, um, or, or in, in seminary, at least, to consider how long they took to prepare for their wedding, right? It probably took you more than two weeks to prepare for your wedding, unless you eloped or something, yeah. right? But you had to book the florist, you had to book the photographer, you had to book the venue, you had to get the, the, the efficient and, and ask your, your bridesmaids and, and groomsmen. And there's a lot of planning, not to mention the honeymoon afterwards. And you probably pl started planning months in advance. Yeah. Now that's just for our wedding. What about the greatest event in human history, the resurrection of Jesus Christ? How do we plan? How do we prepare our hearts to be able to celebrate well? And so uh, using a devotional through Holy Week, I think is a good way for us just to prepare our hearts. I'm very big on uh, trying to help people understand that worship spiritually forms us. That, as the Apostle Paul says in 2 Corinthians, that we all uh, who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, right? That everything that we do as we respond to the Lord in worship will spiritually form us, either for the good or the bad, depending on how we're responding, right? And so, um, I think that thinking through every day of Jesus Christ's last week on earth will help us not only to form us spiritually, but be prepared well to celebrate his resurrection. And so the week that changed the world is available on Amazon, okay. uh, barnesandnoble.com. It's available through my publisher, Westbow Press. Okay. Uh, so you can find, find it at any of those locations. Great. Well, we'll put an, an, uh, an address up, maybe an image of the book. Uh, maybe, by now, maybe up. our producer comes and put, does that after we, our interview. Sure. So if you're watching, you may have already seen the book by now. But, uh, but we, want, we want everyone to, to know this is available. And we have people that watch, Stephen, in other countries as well. Uh, so is this available as an e-book or is it only a, a hard copy or paperback? It's available as paperback, hard copy, hardback, and ebook. Oh, wow. All those great, yep. great. So, even someone in another country that might not be able to get a paperback, they could at least download an ebook of it. Yes, for sure. Great, great. Well, that's uh, so, it's everyone listening uh, that's available. I would encourage you to check that resource out. Um, Stephen, we are now listening. We are by the time we're watching this, and you know, we didn't think ahead a little bit more on our end, or we'd have gotten gotten you in maybe a couple weeks earlier. But it is now Good Friday, and it's people watching and going, "Well, great!" But you know, it's a little late for me to order a book and go up till Easter. So I bet you 
that you could probably a person could order this book and use it as a different in a different time of the year, even right? Absolutely, yes, for sure. Uh, again, it doesn't really matter if you do it each day of Holy Week. Just understanding what Jesus went through, his teachings, uh, how he interacted with people as well as disciples, I think it will really help us in how we respond to who the Lord is in our lives. Yeah, I think we need to, you know, we need to be reminded of his resurrection more than once a year. I think the celebration of that as a body of Christ is huge. But in a personal way, I I need to be reminded just about every day that that my Lord is not only a Lord that came back to life, he is alive today. And uh, that's exactly so right. Those, those of you who are watching, you know, this Jesus is not only our Jesus over here where we are in Los Angeles or in Alabama, USA. This Jesus is everywhere and he's a, yeah. and he's alive and he's yeah. right there with you right now, wherever you are. Oh, uh, he loves you and wants to give this life to you. And so you have life too, Stephen. Uh, you know what I what I thought about doing today and and I, I didn't forewarn you on this, but this just oozes out of you. So I don't think you're probably going to need a lot of preparation on it. Um, but I wish you would just walk through since we don't have the luxury right now of, of looking at your book, unless we just literally go right now and order an ebook. Uh, we might not have the opportunity to do that all the devotionals yet, but could you at least take whatever time you want, man? We're not in a hurry and just unpack the Holy Week. Uh, in a way that not only is informational, but it's inspirational to us. And and uh, even before we do, I, I just want to pray over the people watching. I, mean, I want to pray for myself because, I, you know, I get busy. We all get busy. But we need to slow down and stop and realize the the week that changed the world, right? I mean, that mm-hmm. that's, that's what you're telling us. And so yeah. we need focus. <laughs> we need to flip yeah. our phones over unless you're watching by a phone. But don't check your messages for the next few minutes as Stephen just unpacks this for us. Uh, and so can, can I just encourage us all to do that uh, right now? Mm-hmm. And so why don't we pray, pray for the people watching? Father, I thank you so much for this opportunity. We don't typically stop in the middle of an interview and pray, but this isn't typical. We're not in a typical week. This is the this is what what has uh, been called the Holy Week. Uh, if we'd lived lived through it, it didn't probably feel very holy. Instead mm. of what we're about to hear from Stephen um, uh, as he shares this, just give him the the grace to share this from his heart. But Lord, uh, I don't think there's any one. Isaiah did a really good job as in Isaiah fifty three, but even even as he talked about how. He was marred beyond recognition. Even that doesn't quite get it done in my mind. I can't imagine what Jesus Christ went through. Um, but yet, by your spirit, Lord, would you guide us now and help us to imagine that to some degree? And if possible, could you help us sense the depth of your love? Uh, because of uh, what you demonstrated and what we are listening to, uh, may it, God, may that, may that, uh, m- it renew us, uh, refresh us, encourage us, convict us, change us. Mm-hmm. God, thank you so much for Stephen. Thank you for his ministry. And God, I thank you more than anything for Jesus Christ. I thank you, Lord, for Holy Week and what you did for us. And so we pray for those watching that don't know you as their Savior. I pray, God, that they today they would trust you as their Savior, invite you into their life and give you, uh, surrender full reign to you, really. Surrender full reign to you. God, we pray that um, wherever they are in the world, you are alive 
And God, uh, we look forward to hearing that story. In your name we pray. Amen. Mm. Amen. Stephen, talk to us. So as Holy Week began, I already mentioned on Palm Sunday, Jesus enters into Jerusalem. And this day has two names associated with it, Palm Sunday and Passion Sunday. The Palm Sunday I take as more of an element of praise. The reason the palm fronds were being waved and and laid down before Jesus was to praise Jesus for who he was. Now, the people thought Jesus was coming to do something different than what Jesus was actually doing, right? They they saw a king coming uh, to be a, a temporary king of their land. Uh, over the, to rule over um, the nation of Israel, of Jerusalem, the city of Jerusalem. Uh, but of course, we know now Jesus was really coming because he wanted to rule over hearts and lives, not just land and people. Um, and so he rides into Jerusalem and they're shouting out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And that word Hosanna means Lord, save us. God, save us. And this is where some of the Passion Sunday comes in, because Jesus knows that what they're asking of him means that he must go to the cross. That's the way he would save them. So, unbeknownst to the people, as they cry out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, they're actually asking him, go die for us. They don't understand that, but Jesus does. And as um, one of the gospel writers tells us that as Jesus gets through the city, he actually is up on a hill and he looks over the city and he weeps. That happened when Jesus wept over Jerusalem. That happened on Palm Sunday. That's the passion side. And and we know from uh, maybe thanks to Mel Gibson uh, with the Passion of the Christ movie, we understand that that word passion means suffering that Jesus Christ was suffering through this. He, he, he felt deeply for these people. He had compassion so deep that he wept over the city because he knew what they were asking of him. And Jesus traveled a lot with his disciples between Jerusalem and a city called Bethany. It was about four miles uh, away from Jerusalem, and they would walk you know, back and forth. And so later on Sunday evening, uh, he walks uh, back to Bethany. And as they're coming back into Jerusalem the very next day, uh, and by the way, this chronology that I use, um, different biblical scholars believe different chronological events you know, happen, but this is the one that's mostly accepted by most scholars. Um, so on, on Monday, Jesus comes back to Jerusalem with his disciples, and he enters the temple. And this is when we know that story of Jesus cleansing the temple, that, that story of Jesus coming in, and he, he sees the tax collectors, he sees the money changers, he sees the commotion that's happening in the temple, and he overturns tables in righteous anger. Um, he gets upset that, that people people's worship is being hindered by the activity that's going on in the temple courts and, and within the temple proper. And, and uh, a lot of times we think, oh, see, you know, this is telling us that Jesus didn't like that these money changers were there. 
that Jesus didn't like that that this these interactions were happening. But in fact, money changers being in the temple courts was a very common practice. And I don't believe that Jesus was upset that they were there. I believe that Jesus was upset because they were hindering people's worship by overcharging people for what needed to to occur. Now, remember during this time, people were offering animal sacrifices still. And so people would travel in. This was one of those times when it was a, a pilgrimage journey when they would come to Jerusalem for, from far off places, uh, being exiled out into different areas around Jerusalem. And the people would travel sometimes far distances to come to Jerusalem to celebrate. Well, one of the things they were coming to celebrate at this time would have been Passover. Right? Passover was uh, you know just a, a few days away here. And so they would come and instead of traveling with the animals that they had planned to sacrifice at the temple to the Lord, they would just purchase the animals once they arrived. That was okay. I think that was okay with Jesus. I think he was totally fine with that. The problem was that these money changers, because you had to use certain temple coins to be able to purchase these animals, were overcharging. The, the, the currency exchange rate was not a very good rate. And then the sellers of these animals were overcharging the people. It's like, you know, I'm a big baseball fan and I just don't understand why I can buy a hot dog outside the stadium for two bucks. And I go inside the stadium and it's six bucks. It's like, what in the world? It's the same hot dog, right? Well, that's what was happening here in the temple. And Jesus didn't like that, especially when you consider what happened the day before. All of these people crying out, Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the, in the name of the Lord. Lord, save us and praising him and worshiping him as king. And now the very next day, people are being hindered in their worship. This upsets Jesus. This is why he got angry and he overturned tables and he drove uh, those money changers and the collectors out of the temple. That happened the day after his entry into Jerusalem on the donkey. And Jesus uh, returns back to Bethany. Now on Monday, he um, there's a story in scripture of Jesus cursing a fig tree. Jesus is traveling with his disciples and he sees this tree and it has leaves on it and looks like it's in full bloom. And, and scripture tells us that Jesus was hungry. So he walked up to grab a fig to eat, but there was no fruit on the tree. And Jesus cursed the tree. Well, the very next day on Monday, uh, sorry, on Tuesday, as they travel back into Jerusalem again, uh, Jesus and the disciples see that tree and that tree is all withered up because Jesus had cursed it. And I think that was a really important teaching moment for Jesus with his disciples because they pointed, hey, master, teacher, look at this, this tree that you cursed. Within one day, it's all shriveled up. I mean, that's just amazing. And Jesus talks to them about the kingdom of God. And this is one of those times when Jesus was teaching about fruitfulness in our lives, that it's not a good thing for us to look and act like a Christian 
um, to, or maybe I should say to look and speak like a Christian, but not act like a Christian. Uh, If we say all the right things, uh, sometimes even if we do some of the right things, like we go to church on Sunday and, and we lift our hands and worship, but our hearts aren't connected to those words and actions. Uh, God makes it very clear that, you know, your, your words are the right things, but your hearts are far from me. Yeah. You know, and he says that in the old Testament, Jesus says it again in the new Testament, and that's not a good thing. God wants us to worship him with all of our hearts. Yes. All of our minds, all of our soul, all of our strength. Uh, it's the greatest commandment. Love the Lord, your God, with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And so here on Tuesday, just a, a few days before his death on the cross, Jesus is saying, make sure that your life is fruitful. Make sure that you are living in ways that are fruitful to the Lord. Wow. To, to plant seeds in other people's hearts and lives so that they can live fruitful lives as well. And Jesus' disciples enter back into Jerusalem after that teaching, and Jesus' authority is questioned by the religious leaders. Now they're questioning his authority because of what he did the day before, right? He cleared the temple out. And they're saying, what gives you the right to do this? Who are you? And Jesus talks about the tearing down of the temple. You can tear down the temple, but in three days it will be rebuilt. And they think he, he's talking about the actual building right. the temple, right? Yeah. You're not going to rebuild a temple in three days, I mean, by the time you hire the contractors and sign the contracts, you know, all that, right? No, Jesus was talking about his own life. Yes. Right. So all of this foreshadowing is happening during the week, knowing that, man, wow, Jesus knew he was going to the cross. And what did he choose to do? What did he choose to say? He chose to clear the temple on Monday. Wow, that's, that's really important now to me. When I, I know that this is happening during this week, uh, he chose to talk about fruitfulness in the disciples' lives and in our lives. And then on Wednesday, as uh, Jesus and his disciples are back in Bethany, this is a day that Judas decides to betray Jesus. He makes the arrangement with the religious leaders, and he sells Jesus out. He says, I'm going to do this. Uh, You give me some silver, 30 pieces of silver it was, and um, I'll let you know who he is. But also on this day, a really important event happened, and that was Mary anointing Jesus' feet. Oh, okay. The taking of the alabaster jar, the perfume, and anointing Jesus. Now, some believe it happened on Monday. Some believe it happened on Wednesday. Others believe it was two different events and it happened both times. Um, But on this day, Jesus is in Bethany and Mary takes out her alabaster jar of this oil, this perfume, and she opens it up and she just anoints Jesus, anoints his body. And the disciples led by Judas, they question this. Yeah. Right. They say, 
man, that jar of ointment could have been sold and then money given to the poor. Uh, it was worth a lot of money. Scripture says it was worth one year's wages. That's a lot. Yeah. I mean, think, uh, you know, I think about that, and I don't blame the disciples for questioning this. I may have been a part of them questioning this, oh, yeah. right? Because we could have sold this. Imagine how many people this could have fed. Mm-hmm. One year's wages, that's a lot of food we could have bought and distributed to the poor. Uh, think of all of the people that we could have helped pay their rent mm-hmm. because they're struggling to pay rent. Um, that's a lot of people that we could have helped. And yet she just poured it all over Jesus. Does Jesus need this? The poor do. And Jesus's response, which I think is one of the most beautiful responses, words spoken out of compassion, as well as the foreshadowing of what's to come. Jesus says to them, you'll always have the poor with you. Yes. But what this woman has done is a beautiful thing, and she has prepared my body. She has prepared me for my burial. Now, this is going to be important later in the week. The disciples, they don't understand this, and we don't understand it either if we don't know the rest of of Scripture and the rest of the week. Um, But we'll come back to those words by Jesus. She is preparing me for my burial. So on Thursday, this is when Jesus and the disciples meet in the upper room and they celebrate Passover together. They observe Passover. Now, this would not have been something out of the ordinary for the disciples. They would have done this every year together. You know, it's like us saying, you know, we get get together for Easter brunch on Easter Sunday afternoon, get our family together. We have a nice brunch or a nice meal together because it's Easter um, or a birthday celebration, an annual birthday celebration. Uh, you just, that's what you do each year. And this, the disciples who were good Jewish boys yeah. and Jesus, who is a good Jewish man, he would have done this every single year growing up, get together for Passover because it was a big celebration, remembering how God had delivered the people of Israel out of the grip of Pharaoh out of Egypt with Moses. And so they gather together and they remember God's deliverance over the generations. But it was during this time that Jesus instituted what we now know as communion or the Lord's Supper, that Jesus took the bread that was there, the bread that symbolized God's provision for the 40 years in the desert. And he took that bread and he said, this now symbolizes my body, mm. which is given for you. And he takes the cup and the wine that was in that cup. He says, this symbolizes my blood that's shed for you. Amen. And I just can't imagine what the disciples were thinking at this point. Not Maybe not sure exactly what's happening. Maybe some understood, but didn't want to believe quite yet what was going to happen. It was in this upper room when Jesus actually called out Judas. Um, And this was a, a, man, this was a tough one too, because Jesus looks right at Judas and he says, you know, he calls him Satan. Yeah. Yeah. You look at scripture and he says, you know, just do what you've come to do. Yeah. Just go out. 
you do, do what, what you've done because uh, Jesus knew that it was time. And so they leave that upper room after observing Passover, after this institution of the Lord's Supper, after Jesus washes the disciples' feet. Yeah, yeah. Uh, giving a, a, the purest example of servanthood. Mm. Uh, n- not that this was new. I mean, they had their feet washed every day. Um, but Jesus, in washing their feet, shows them how to serve and how to love. Yeah. Because it's on this day, which is called Monday Thursday. Monday is the Latin word for mandate or command that Jesus gives the command to love one another. Again, that wasn't a new command to them. That's in the Old Testament Levitical law to love one another. We see that in Leviticus. We see that in Deuteronomy. Uh, These men, these Jewish men would have heard this. They would have memorized this. Love the Lord your God. Yes, love one another. Yes, I, I know that. But now Jesus is showing them how to love one another. Wow. By washing their feet, by serving them, by the master becoming the servant. Wow. Yeah. So Jesus and disciples leave the upper room. They go out. Oh, and it, it's a very important uh, note. I don't want to pass over this. Scripture tells us that after they finished in the upper room, that they sang a hymn. Yes. together. Yes. Man, I just love that because that tells me that Jesus was a singer. Yeah. You know, Jesus would sing. He would sing praise songs to the Lord, Amen. to his father. Amen. So they leave that place. They go out to the garden, the garden of Gethsemane. Jesus is praying. The disciples fall asleep. Jesus has to wake them up. You know, we know this uh, as Christians. We know this part. Um. And Jesus is struggling a little bit, right? And we know that because he asks his father, is there any other way that this could happen? Yes. Lord, um, take this cup from me. And so I think that the human side of Jesus, knowing the pain that he would have to go through, was, was struggling maybe a little bit. Not to the point of doubt, not to the point of, um, disobedience. I'm not saying that. He just knew what was coming. And it was hard for Jesus. I mean, the scripture tells us that he was praying so intensely that his sweat was like drops of blood. And he says, Father, not your will, but mine. I mean, not my will, sorry, not my will, but yours be done. Exactly. Thy will be done. Your will be done, Lord. And it's at this time when Judas with the religious leaders, they come, they arrest Jesus. Now, these are all um, charges that are, are false. You know, false testimony has been given. Um. They're really, they, they want to crucify him because they believe that he's committing blasphemy against the father. That's what they see. That's what they hear. They don't, they don't see Jesus as the son of God, the true God. And so they arrest Jesus. And uh, this is hard. 
this is a really hard time for us to to think about, to consider, but but we have to because we have to realize what Jesus did for us. Amen. It helps us to know how better to worship him because of what he did for us. Amen. And so Jesus is arrested. He is treated very poorly. He is beaten. He is scourged. He is ridiculed and mocked. A crown of thorns is made up and they press it down onto his head so that blood streams down his face. They continue to beat him. They continue to mock him. His body is being torn apart. Uh, he's brought before Pilate. Pilate doesn't really want anything to do with it. He uses an excuse of who Jesus is and the region in which Jesus is from. So he sends him to Herod and, you know, Herod doesn't want anything to do with him. And he sends him back to Pilate and Pilate says, I don't see a reason to crucify this man. Um, but they cry out, we want him crucified. And Pilate says, okay, so we have a, a tradition that we release one person because of the Passover. And they cried out for him to release Barabbas, a, a known murderer. That's who they wanted released other than Jesus. And so Jesus is sentenced to death. He has to carry his cross up the hill and he is crucified alongside two other criminals who were there. And um, this is pretty hard. I mean, Jesus was so beaten in so much pain. He was so exhausted that he couldn't even carry his own cross all the way to Golgotha, the hill. And so uh, another man is forced to carry his cross for him. And they get to the point where Jesus is nailed to the cross. He's lifted up, dropped into the position. And there are other people around. There are people around him uh, watching this happen. Now, many scholars believe that this would have occurred between uh, 9 a.m. and about 3 p.m., that it took about six hours for Jesus to die on the cross. Wow. Um, we think that that's a long time, but in fact, uh, according to Roman uh, historical documents, sometimes it could take up to six days. Yeah. Um, and while Jesus is on the cross, uh, he speaks some words that's a, a good study to do as well uh, if you look up the seven last sayings of jesus or the last words of jesus you can do a full study on that yes. um, words like i thirst um, 
showing care and compassion to the thief on the cross next to him who cries out to him. He says, today you will be with me in paradise. Showing care and compassion to his mother, Mary, who is there at the cross. Uh, Jesus being the eldest son would be the one to take care of his mother because it is assumed that Joseph had died already because scripture does not mention Joseph. And the fact that these words that Jesus speaks when he says, uh, mother, behold your son, looking at John, the disciple who's standing next to her, son, behold your mother. He was placing his mother in the care of John. So that would mean that Joseph wasn't alive anymore. And Jesus knowing that he, the eldest son was dying, needed someone to care for his mother. And so he has this compassion, this care for his mother. Um, it is finished. Powerful words of Jesus and his last words, Father, into your hands, I commend my spirit. And then he breathed his last and he died. Um, now, since this happened on Friday, and it's approximately 3 p.m., the Sabbath, which was a special holy day for the Jewish people and community, would have begun at sundown. That's when the new day begins for the Jewish community. And so that would have been Saturday when the sun went down. And so, since no work was to be done on the Sabbath, they had to get Jesus' body off of the cross, into the tomb, and the, the stone rolled in front of the opening of the tomb before sundown. Mm. That's a lot to do within three or four hours, depending on when the sun would have set at that, at that time of year uh, there in Jerusalem. And we think about what happened. So Jesus breathes his last. Uh, we're told in scripture that Joseph of Arimathea went to Pilate and asked for Jesus's body to be able to bury Jesus in Joseph's tomb yep. because Jesus did not have a tomb of his own. And so Joseph of Arimathea had to travel to where Pilate was ask permission of Pilate for the body, and then travel back to the cross. But we also have to consider that Joseph of Arimathea isn't just going to be able to walk in and get immediate access to Pilate. Hmm. So he probably arrived, said, I'd like to speak to Pilate, had to wait, you know, for how long? We have no idea had to then speak to Pilate and then had to travel back. Now, remember, they're not in a car either. So he's traveling by foot to get to where Pilate's palace would be and back and forth. And so that would, it would take a while. And to get Jesus' body down and then to transport Jesus' body from the top of the hill of Golgotha to wherever the tomb was of Joseph, that would have taken a while as well. Remember, no cars. Right. And so with all of this happening, they had to rush and get Jesus into the tomb before sundown. They were able to do that. Now, Saturday. Saturday is the Sabbath. 
Jewish men and women were required to go to the temple to worship on the Sabbath. It's just part of their life, part of their response to who they were as followers of Yahweh. But we're told in scripture that the disciples were hiding out in a room with locked doors and locked windows. They should have been worshiping God. Instead, they were hiding out. We don't know what Jesus was doing on this day. Scripture doesn't really tell us. Um, now, that's a weird question or, or a comment to say, maybe, uh, because you're like, well, Jesus was dead, right? He's laying in the tomb. Well, Jesus, the man was dead laying in the tomb, but what was Jesus God doing? Remember, Jesus is God, the Son of God. Uh, God the, the God that we worship is a triune God. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Three persons, but one God. So yes, Jesus the man was dead, but what was Jesus the divine doing during this time? I don't know if he was just sitting in the tomb waiting for Sunday. I'm not sure about that, but Scripture scripture isn't really clear on what, what he was doing. What we do know is the disciples were hiding out. Scripture does tell us that. And so then we fast forward to Sunday, glorious resurrection. Now, Sunday isn't a part of Holy Week uh, formally, uh, because Holy Week is the last full week of the season of Lent. The season of Lent is a a time of of, um, cleansing, of confession, of sin, of making sure that we're right before the Lord so that we can then celebrate during the season of Easter, this this great celebration. But I I just can't stop on Saturday. (laughs) So my book actually stops on Easter Sunday. So we we go into the Easter season a little bit here, Uh, but we have this great celebration of the resurrection. And we have the women who, who go to the tomb. And scripture tells us that they were going with perfumes and spices to prepare Jesus's body. Now, why were the women going on Sunday to prepare Jesus's body? Because they couldn't do it on Friday. Friday, everything was too rushed, right? They were trying to hurry up, get him into the tomb before the Sabbath begins. Well, preparing Jesus's body would mean they would take the spices and the oils and they would rub it on the bodies because they didn't have embalming back then like we do today. That helps to preserve the body. So they would rub the oils and the spices all over the body, put it in the hair, and then they would wrap the body in cloth. That way, the body was more preserved and quite frankly, just wouldn't stink too much, right? It would help to cover the decomposition that would happen to a body. So the women were going on Sunday morning, day after the Sabbath. Now you can do some work again to prepare Jesus's body for his burial. When they arrived at the tomb, they find that Jesus has risen. He is not here. He is risen, Scripture says. And they run back and they tell Peter and John and the disciples, and Peter and John take off running and and, and get to the tomb. And sure enough, Jesus isn't there. He's risen. 
And we know that Jesus appears to different people and to different crowds and different groups. And, and, um, and that's what we celebrate today, right? But one thing to think about, the women went to prepare Jesus's body for his burial, but they didn't have to do that. Why? Not because he was risen, but because his body was already prepared with oils and spices. Remember back on Wednesday when Mary anointed Jesus with that alabaster jar and the disciples complained about it, how we could have given this to the poor. And Jesus said, no, 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 this was the right thing to do because she was preparing me for my burial. The women didn't need to do that on that Sunday morning because Jesus was already prepared. And even if they would have had time on Friday to do it, they wouldn't have had to have done it because Jesus's body was already prepared for his burial. This to me is just an amazing thing to consider that the forethought of our God, the preparation of our God to say, you know what? I know that on Friday, there's not going to be time to prepare the body. So let's do it on Wednesday while I'm still alive. That's good. And knowing that the women are going to try to do it on Sunday, but they're going to be too late. I'm going to already be risen by then. <laughs> That's just amazing. That That's gives me good. goosebumps That's good. to think of how God works in those just amazing, phenomenal ways. Yeah. Yeah. And so when we go through the week of Holy Week, And we think through every single day of Holy Week, including on this day, Good Friday, and what's going to happen tomorrow on Easter Saturday, or or traditionally it's called the Paschal Vigil, Paschal in in being like Easter, the vigil, when we wait, uh, wait upon Jesus. These things are really important for us to help us have hearts that are ready for this grand celebration, just ready to burst forth in praise that Jesus is risen from the grave. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Thank you, Stephen. That was uh, incredible. And it's something that we uh, need to be reminded of often, the sacrifice that Jesus went through in Holy Week. Uh, I love how you stepped through that uh, with us all the way through to the end. And so here's a question. How do, how do we respond to that now? I mean, we, we've heard it. I mean, do we, do we go into our, our, our church services on Sunday? Um, you know, should we be um, contemplative, quiet, should we be exalting and out, you know, loud and singing loud? I mean, I, really, we're blown away by what you've shared. How do we respond to that? Yeah. Um. So one way that I like to look at it is, you know, I mentioned the season of Lent and a lot of people think, oh, that's so foreboding. Um, It's so serious and somber. And yes, there are parts of that because we are reflecting upon death, right? Uh, We are remembering that scripture tells us that uh, from dust you came and to dust you will return, right? That, That we all will die one day. But that's not where our story ends. Our story ends with resurrection, with new life, with eternal life in Jesus Christ. And that's something to celebrate. Um, It would be as if 
we were, you know, Dwayne, you and I, say we were together and we decided after we, we have our meeting, we wanted to go to lunch. And so we walk outside and we're going to cross the street because there, there's a place to eat, you know, across the street. But there's a, a semi truck just barreling down this highway and it's lost its brakes and you don't see it coming, but I see it coming. And I push you out of the way and the truck hits me and I die. You're going to have some feelings about that. Some pretty strong feelings. You're going to struggle, I think, with some of those feelings of, you know, why did he die and not me? Um, You know, you're going to mourn, you're going to grieve. And if you were then to go back to your house and decide that I'm just so heartbroken over this situation that I'm never going to come outside again, I'm just going to stay in my house for the rest of my life. I'm not going to do anything. I'm not going to work. I'm not going to bless people through my ministry you know, any of that, I would say that maybe you should have been the one hit by the truck then and not me (laughs) because essentially now two people have died. Yeah. That's a really good, right. I mean, you're just, you're shriveling up in your house. Yeah. You know, not do not, not living to your fullest. Yeah. And that would be a, a really sad situation, but I think what would be more um, beneficial and a blessing in this world is if, sure, you grieve, you mourn, but we don't mourn with people without, like people without hope. Amen. And you say, wow, I have a, a, a renewed vision, passion, view of what life is. And I'm going to go out and, and live my life to the fullest, as full as I can, serving God, loving God, and loving people. Um, my, I want to make my life worthy of Stephen giving up his life for me. Wow. Right? Good. I want to live in a way to where it, it would make him proud, essentially. Right? Well, we all are living in that same exact situation. That's true. Jesus Christ saw a truck barreling toward us. That truck's called sin. Yeah. And he pushed us out of the way and he bore the weight of that sin. And he died for us to give us life. And he's saying, get out, go. Don't lock yourself in your room. Yeah. Don't lock yourself in your own mind and in your own body, but go out, serve the Lord, your God, love him, worship him and love others, go out and live life. And so I think that's the way we approach an Easter Sunday morning. When we come together, we're like, man, we just remembered through a whole season of Lent and through a whole Holy week that God loves us so much that he would give his life for us. And now I need to live my life as if it's worthy of someone dying for it. Man, that just gets me excited to praise God. That's a great and worship Him. Amen. Well, we do have a lot of Christians that are, that watch uh, from week to week. We have some leaders uh, of worship. Um, 
some are preparing for Sunday and they're trying to, you know, they've probably done all the, they've practiced their songs. I mean, they've got their order. If, if not two days out, we're probably struggling <laughs> at this point. Surely by now we know the songs are singing and, the, and the, maybe the pastor's prepared his message. So. I would hope. <laughs> There's been a couple times when I wasn't so prepared, but anyway, hopefully they'll be ready. So here, here's what I know typically on a, by, by the time each year we come to Good Friday, I'm working on myself. I'm, I'm just getting myself ready because I've got all the, you know, pretty much all the technical logistical things in order. And I know where the lights are going to go and I know where people are going to stand and I know what they're going to sing. And all, but, but, you know, how does that, how does one leading others, whether it be the main leader, whether it be somebody in the choir, whether it be somebody in the sound booth, how do we personally prepare ourselves for this phenomenal experience where we're going to encourage others to experience it too? I mean, I know you've shared a lot, but I bet you've got something really specific for us leaders in the room. Mm. Yeah. What I would say is spend time with the Lord, okay. especially over these next couple of days. Um, I Easter Sunday is a big Sunday, but every Sunday is a big Sunday. It is right. I mean, uh, the people are coming to the Lord, uh, get, turning their lives over to Him. Um, people are coming to to interact with God on every single Sunday as we gather together, and those are big ones. The difference with Easter Sunday is you may have a lot of visitors to your church, uh, people that aren't normally a part of your community. Uh, so that makes it special, and 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 I I, I view it that way. Is you know, this is a special Sunday because we're interacting with people that maybe we don't normally interact with, that aren't part of our normal week in and week out Sunday mornings. So just prepare your hearts through prayer, uh, through scripture reading. Spend time with God over the next couple of days. Um, really, just uh, focusing your attention on what He is calling you to do this week, whether you're the person up front or like Dwayne said, the person in the choir or in the sound booth, um, those that work tech, you guys are worship leaders. Uh, you are helping Absolutely. in uh, helping people respond yes. to who God is, which is what worship is. Absolutely. And so just um, spend time in prayer, spend time in scripture. That's good. Um, yeah. That's what I would say. And what about a person watching that's just maybe there's maybe they're in tears, honestly, or at least in their heart. They, they feel like they've heard this and um, they need to respond. They feel like they need to respond to this. Jesus, uh, they've never really put their trust, trust in him before. Uh, why don't you talk to us about how someone can can experience life on this this Easter Sunday? Yeah, absolutely. That's the thing is Jesus sacrificed himself so that you wouldn't have to. There was a tradition throughout uh, Christianity of having to sacrifice. And the Apostle Paul says that we do that each and every day, that we are living sacrifices so that we must present our bodies, our, our whole selves as sacrifices to the Lord. And the way we do that today is through our praise, through our worship through offering our hearts to God. And so what I would encourage you today is to, to understand that you don't have to sacrifice your life. Jesus did that for you already. And through his sacrifice for you, that gives you eternal life. 
life with him forever. Amen. And so we get, we have the opportunity today to say, Lord, I want to give you my heart to give you all of myself because you are a sovereign Lord who is in control. This world is so crazy. There are so many things that are going on and you may be going through some really difficult times right now, whether it's physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, even you may be going through some difficult times, but God is there. This is not God's design for this world. No. What's going on today is because sin entered into the world and messed right. things up. That's right. And so God sent Jesus Christ as one and only son to help to fix the problem of Amen. this world. Amen. And he offers that to you and to me. And so to me right now in this place, I just speak Jesus. I speak the name of Jesus because he is the only one who saves. He is the only one with the power to save. He is the only one who can offer peace. He is the only one who can heal through the power of Jesus. We're able to receive everything that the Lord is offering to us, including eternal life with him forever. Amen. Thank you so much, Stephen. This has been very powerful. Thank you for having me. We certainly it. appreciate it. Uh, we, we're going to put uh, information about your book back on the website. I mean, uh, on, on the page now or, or on the monitor and people are watching on mm -hmm. TV. And it's going to be your website address where I, they can go and uh, people can go and find your book. But you can also, you said, find it on a person can find it on Amazon.com. They can find it on yes. Barnes & Noble, yep. uh, the website there, uh, their store. So uh, clearly. This man understands the Holy Week in a, in a very deep level. So uh, I'm excited to read and go through the devotional, Stephen. So thank you. Thank you for this. You're welcome. Thank we'll you. be back in a few moments with uh, to wrap things up with live talk today. But this has been incredible, uh, incredible time. So we're praying for you, wherever you are in the world. Uh, Jesus loves you very much. And uh, he, he died for you, not just, not just us and not people long ago. He died for you. And uh, he loves you. So we'll be back in a few moments to wrap things up with that. But again, Stephen, uh, Stephen Brooks, thank you, my friend. Uh, it's been really good today. Yeah, thank you, Dwayne. You're listening to Live Talk with Dwayne Moore. International Conversations on Worship. As promised, uh, today was a, a very powerful um, experience as, as Stephen walked us through the happenings of the Holy Week, the final week of Jesus walking on this earth. So uh, as, as, a, as a person before he had been resurrected, and of course he, he was with us here on earth uh, after the resurrection in his glorified body. But the Holy Week is, a, is what leads up to the crucifixion, leads up to the resurrection. We pray that you know Christ as your Savior if you don't, Go to office at nextlevelworship.com, office at nextlevelworship.com, and let us know that you want to, to know Jesus in a personal way. And we would love to talk to you about that. Thanks so much. See you next week. Thanks for listening to Live Talk with Dwayne Moore. Live Talk is presented by Next Level Worship International. 
To learn more about our global community and find great devotionals and other resources on lifestyle worship, visit nextlevelworship.com.